0: Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finchley. Wow. Can you believe summer's gone? Teachers are reporting back this week. Yay! Right? Kids are going to school next week, the week after. Yeah? Uh, Yeah. Parents are saying, (laughs) ha ha! Good deal. Well, over the next few weeks... Chris and I are going to be sharing with you uh, a series of of, of of messages on the hope for the generations. The hope for the generations. I want to lay the foundation for it this morning. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to preach this morning. Chris going to preach next Sunday. I'm going to preach the next Sunday. Chris going to preach next We're going to... So you don't ever know who you're going to get. Okay? So, but we're excited about what God is doing and what God is saying for the generations. And I... I'm overwhelmed at the opportunity that God is giving us to touch lives. How many of you have ever heard of the generation gap? Any of you ever lived through it? Yeah, here's the generation gap. Do you see the difference? Yeah? One more. Yeah? Yeah? In 1971, I graduated from high school and I was going to be my own man. And I began to grow my hair long. I had hair, and I grew, you know. And uh, my dad, my dad would always say, "Why are you growing that mop? Why are you growing that mop?" Well, Dad, if you're looking from heaven now, I have a toothbrush. <laughs> no longer a mop. It's just short and fuzzy. Uh, generation gap. We're all familiar with it. We all understand it. We grew up with it, and yet. This is probably the first generation that in America that's had six living generations. Six living generations at the same time. Now, all of that to say a generation is not necessarily a number of years or those kind of things. A generation is a is literally a change in Economics, a change in parenting, a change in... It's just the changes that are recognizable that's going on in, in the lives of people. Why is that important? In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, in the Message Translation, it says this most scariest verse that I think is in Scripture. <laughs> well, one of them. Eventually, that entire generation died and was buried. Then another generation grew up that didn't know anything of God or the work he had done for Israel. The greatest danger in our world is for a generation to grow up. And not know God nor the works that he's done. And I'm so excited that we live in a country. That we live in a place that we can we can share the love of Jesus with generations. But the, the thing is, is we've got to guard that. And we've got to accept the responsibility of that. We've got to be able to do that. In America, there's six living generations. This morning, I'm just going to lay the foundation for where we're kind of going in over the next few weeks because we want you to understand that every generation has opportunity to know and respond to Jesus like, like God intends them to be for their future and for their hope. Uh, it's our responsibility to see to it that they have the opportunity to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. Well, in our day, coining a nickname for entire entire generation has become something of a pastime for academics, journalists, and marketers. There's literally a center for generational kinetics. It's a research company that studies characteristics, thought processes, expectations, and preferences for each generation. They look at three key key trends that shape generations. Parenting, technology, and economics. Generations change with parenting, technology, and economics. So I want to share with you some of the common nicknames and birth years of the six living generations in America today. Number one, the first one is the, the GI. The GI generation. Born from 1901 to 1926. GI means government issue, in case you didn't know. G. These were children born in the World War I generation. They were fighters in World War II. They lived in the Great Depression. Uh, here's their motto. Use it up, fix it up, make it do or do without. They were strong models of teamwork. Tom Brokaw called them the greatest generation. They saved the world and built a nation. Now here's the thing that got me. They, they never used... There was no such thing for this generation called retirement. <laughs> you heard that generation. Right. They were foundational. They were the generation that began... When America became a world influence, and they became the generation that began to lead out high morals, very Christian, Judeo-Christian reality in their lives. The second generation, the ones birthed after them, was called traditionalist. Some call them the Silent Generation. They were born from 1927 to 1945. They were born during the Great Depression. They were raised by strong rules of life. A strong sense of common values and near absolute truths gained from their parents and upbringing. They served in the Korean and Vietnam conflicts. They were disciplined, self-sacrificing, and cautious. My dad was, well, was basically in between the GI and the traditionalists. He was kind of a mixture between. Here's the thing: in in the rural community, these are the kind of folks that were always there for you. It didn't matter. They'd been your neighbors for a year. But if anybody got sick, what if they'd all show up and harvest your crop. They'd always be there for their neighbors. They were very dedicated, disciplined, self-sacrificing, and cautious. Always leery of things that's going on in their world. And their world was very small, both of these. It became a worldwide influence, but the traditionalists, their world was their community, their state, their family... Their world was small. But they gave birth after World War II to the baby boomers. These were born 1946 to 1964. They were born after World War II. 77 million. One of the highest numbered generations until the latest. They grew up during peak levels of income. They had a general belief that things would just continue to improve. They had the world by the tail, basically. Generally, these worked all their adult life. And in this generation, women who had always been at home now began to work outside the home in record numbers. Baby boomers were the first TV generation. TV and telephone. They were the first generation to use the word retirement. They were looking forward to it. And retirement for this generation is a rocking chair, watching everybody else do the work. They were the first generation to use credit. Use a lot of credit. They used to use credit to make a living. But things changed, but we didn't change using credit. They were the first me generation, self righteous and sitting. Now, not me, but those other people. Self righteous and self centered. They were the first generation to politically begin to accept humanistic values as common reality. This generation began to move away from Judeo Christian things. They're still a part of it, still a foundation, but it's not near as important to this generation as it was to their fathers and their grandfathers. They gave birth to the generation X born 1965 to 1976 these were the first latchkey kids they grew up street smart but isolated often with divorced or career driven parents latchkey came from that the idea that they carried a house key with them to school and when they got out of school they went home and and let themselves in now i grew up in the rural community we didn't have locks on our doors but I would have been considered one of these because my dad was a farmer. He was working and he was always in the fields. My mom worked in town. And so every day when I got off the bus and walked a half mile in the snow. Just kidding. Uh, that wasn't it. For a couple of the three hours I was there by myself. Wouldn't it be scary for some of you parents if your kids were there by themselves? I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. The whole point I'm trying to say is that with every generation, things begin to change. Generation X, uh, they're very individualistic. They're very entrepreneurial. They have big dreams, and they can make dreams come to pass. They're cynical. They tend to commit to self rather than an organization or a specific career. They were the first generation that changed careers. The average change for this generation was seven jobs in their lifetime. What they want, what they want, when they want it, and go in credit to get it. Credit debt was enormous. The short on loyalty, wary of commitment, and all values are relative. And here's the thing. People in this generation, they're just to be tolerated. In other words, yeah, you go to work, but you just tolerate the rest of the people. Anybody identify with that? If I just, if I just didn't have to put up with those people, you know, I could get a lot more done. It's in people. Not that I would say that, but that generation would. I see some heads shaking yes. These are cautious, skeptical, unimpressed with authority, and self-reliant. And because of this, they, they're in their own way. Generation X, some say the X stands for accelerated generation. Others say it's because it's the unknown. This is the generation that lived through kind of the unknown of what's going to come after the boomers. And what's coming after that? This is the generation that began when they started to the school with a the paper. They ended school with a computer. It's the idea that this whole thing was changing right in the middle of their generation. And what's, good, what's it going to be? This is the generation that began to see that the economics wasn't what the baby boomers knew. The next generation, probably the most common generation that you'll understand this term is called Millennials. Some call them the Generation Y, but, but the one that seems to stick right in our time right now is called the Millennials. These were born 1977 to 1995. This is the 9-11 generation. This is the generation that was alive and a young person when 9-11 happened. They were raised by helicopter, I say pilots, parents. Helicopter parents. You know what a helicopter parent is? Always there. Always there, hovering over everything going on in their lives no we don 't know any of those right <laughs> they 're raised here was this the first these were the first generation that learned early and often that this world is not a safe place began to get news of of trafficking those kind of things children the parents became war, w- wary the they The whole idea is it's it 's not a safe place. They were the first uh to feel they feel enormous academic pressure to to succeed they're the first to grow up in a digital world with unlimited access to information they tend to be very opinionated and being assertive with their strong views because they know they've seen it on the internet they're very centered on the individual rather than the corporate in other words it's the individual human rights is for the especially if you're in the minority. If you're in the minority, uh, yours is more important than everybody else's because you have a need, those kind of things. The idea of the millennials is that uh, they get all their information and most of their socialization from the Internet. They've been told over and over again that they're special and they expect the world to treat them that way. They don't live to work. They prefer a more relaxed work environment with a lot of hand-holding and accolades and trophies. Now don't misunderstand that. That is their generation. We told them how special they were. We told them they could do anything. We told them they could be anything. We told them. And now they think they can. That's the most optimistic generation and yet... Realization is that they're having the hardest time finding the place where they fit. They're lonely. They're wondering. And yet they're not scared. Don't misunderstand what i said. They're not fearful in the sense of scared because they think they can do it. But the reality of the world is hitting home fast. Their economics is not the same of the boomers or Generation X. Their economics, but here's the thing about their economics: there's some of them that are making millions on YouTube. They're discovering new ways and new ways. the the work The work environment it's not about an office; it's about the internet. You can do it from home. You understand where we're going with all this? The whole idea is the generation has changed. They are in a complete digital age. And and here's the thing: move over, millennials. The I generation has come. These are the ones that were born since, since 1995, 96, excuse me. Generation Generation Z, some people call them. They were born 1996 and later. The Internet is no longer the defining feature in the lives of the children and teens. Technology has become individualized. It's their world. It's not their information place. It's their world. It's the place they live. In other words, the internet is not just a a tool, it's an environment. They're there. Children and teens are spending nearly all their waking hours using media and technology. Children now quit playing with toys between the ages of five and seven. They now play in their world. And that... (laughs) It's hard on some of the other generations because they can do so much so fast so quick so, and they can show you how to do it. If you have a problem with your phone, don't go to the technician. Go to, the, go to your grandchildren. They know how. They can download it, set it up, fix it and upgrade it before you know what you did. They've totally, this generation has totally redefined communication. You don't have to talk anymore. You text. You Twitter. You Instagram. You put it on YouTube. To them, the phone is not a phone. It's a portable living room for they use to communicate. I generation are the most technology-immersed generation, and you just watch them with the intense look on their faces as they play video games, text all day, Instagram, watch YouTube videos, and juggle a dozen conversations at a time, and it's clear they're engaged with every one of them. They're the most multitasking generation that's ever been born. Now, here's the truth. I generation is lonelier than previous generations. They've got the whole world in their hand, and they're alone. Now, listen to me. You remember when you were in junior high? Some of that, that takes long. That's a long way back. You remember when you were in junior high, and it didn't bother you until you found out somebody was having a party, and you wasn't invited? And then you began, or those little cliques that you used to have in junior high, and who's who's here and who is there and all that. That's their world they're living in constantly because they're seeing it all right in front of their faces. They're seeing it all. I'm not included. I've been left out. I've got to make an impact. I've got to say something that'll... So they're fighting for that place. They're lonely and they're isolated. They're less hopeful and the least spiritual of all generations. Because they hold it in their hand. It's tangible. Now, I say all of that just to give us a foundation of this is the six generations that are alive right now. They actually, this many generations are actually a part of New Covenant Church. All of them at the same time. And here's the truth. There's two unchangeable realities Two unchangeable realities. Number one, no matter what generation you're in, you're still a people. And people are basically the same. People have the same needs. Here's People are, are, are sinful, they're lonely, they're greedy, they're selfish, they're fearful, they're proud, they're stubborn, they're rebellious, and in need of a Savior every generation's in need of a savior. One thing I didn't tell you about this last generation, right now they're the they are 26% of the population of America. This is the largest percentile of the population, the IGNs. And it's growing. They're expecting it to to be a greater a greater percentage year by year. Now, all of that to say all generations are just made up of people. And let me tell you, people are the same. There's two unchangeable realities. People are basically the same. And number two, Jesus is the same. Hebrews 13:8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The people's greatest need is a Savior, to save them from themselves, to save them in the midst of a perverse generation, a crooked generation. But Jesus is the same. The same one who saved my grandfather saved me. The same one that saved my father and mother. The same one that saved my brother. The same one that saved me. The same one that saved my children. The same one that's saving my grandchildren. It's Jesus. He's the hope, not only for the world, but for every generation. There's never going to be a generation. Thank goodness we have the promises of God. I want to show you some promises that God has given us concerning the generations. Psalms 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Daniel 4, 3. This is one I like because this is Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who thought he was somebody. He thought he was God until he met the God. Until he went through his understanding that God, there was one, there really was one, and he wasn't it. So when God said, I am, he was meaning you're not. And Daniel chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. And the New Testament promise Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God has given a promise that this truth, this gospel, this Savior, will be available To all generations. And it literally gives us the opportunity. And here's the thing. The hope of the generations is now in our hands. It's in our hands. Not just the responsibility, but the opportunity. We have the opportunity... To share the gospel, to share the truth, to be the generation that passes it to the next generation or even goes back a generation and tells them the truth. The whole thing is, it's from generation to generation and the hope is Jesus Christ. Look at Psalm 78 verse 4. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things He's done. He planted a witness in Jacob, said His word firmly in Israel, then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know and all the generations to come. Know the truth. Tell the story so their children can trust in God. Never forget the works of God, but keep His commands to the letter. The New Testament 1 Peter 2 verse 9 and 10 says this, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once you were not a people but now you are the people of God, who not who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. We have the opportunity. We have the responsibility But here's the thing, we have the joy of being able to be a part of what God's up to in our generation to make sure that every generation knows the works and the word and the will of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus, if you're in charge, if if you're filled with Him and and know how large and in charge He is of this universe, you have the opportunity to be a participant in what God's doing in the generations. You say, well, preacher, how do we do it? Let me just give you five simple things. First of all, realize they are not like you. One of the things that was hard for my granddaddy, was to realize my daddy, and especially his grandsons, weren't like him. You see, his generation, you know, amazing pictures come to my mind. I remember my granddaddy repairing his shoes on an iron little stool that he would go and he would nail the soles and he would cut rubber and make and repair his shoes. Now we go to the store and buy $190 tennis shoes that last six months. Things have changed. Every generation expects the next generation to be like them. Here's the first thing. Realize they're not going to be like you. They're their generation. That doesn't mean that they're wrong or even more right. They're just not like you. Realize they need what you needed They need to be loved, they need to be led, and they need their own personal encounter and personal experience with God. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters from every generation. Number two, love them. You don't have to like them. Love covers a multitude of what? Sins. Change is hard for most of us. And we tend to think change is bad, especially when it's changing us, or we're having to change because of that, or this. But change is a part of life. And here's the thing, you got to realize that right in the middle of change are people who need to know Jesus. See them for who they are, for where they are, and move toward them. And I say this with the intention of understanding that, you know, when God saw the need of mankind, He didn't expect us to get up to Him. He came to where we were. That's the story. That's the gospel. Jesus was the Word become flesh. He wasn't just going to talk to us and shout at us and command us. He was going to come live among us that we might know Him. We've got to understand what, that not only is it enough to know who they are and where they are, we've got to move toward them. We've got to move toward the generations. We've got to understand them. And that leads me to the third point. You've got to relate to them. That means listen to them. You know, we're real good about talking. How many of you know that, we, that most of our world is made up of talk? Talk. We can talk. Everybody's got an opinion. Do you know when the ones that are going to make a difference are those who listen? And when I say listen, I'm not just talking about listening to the words they're saying. I'm talking about listening to get to know what they're saying, but not only what they're saying, but why they're saying it. Not only why they're saying it, but what the heart that it's coming from. You've got to learn to relate to them. Ask God for discernment to see them the way He sees them, to really hear behind the words into the heart of the matter. Number four, tell them the truth truth is found in jesus and the story of scripture tell them the stories tell them the stories now involved in that is tell them your story i remember as a little kid i remember we used to go we went to town one time a week when i was a kid we'd buy groceries we would do everything that one day one day a week and I remember we'd go with my, 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 go with my parents over to a friend's house. And I remember sitting in the living room listening to the adults talk. And I loved to listen to their stories, to their experiences. Let me tell you, I learned probably more how to behave from the stories than I did from their commands. Because it was watching and seeing and understanding Here's the thing, tell the truth, the truth of Jesus, the truth of the Scripture, but also tell the truth of your story. How you came to know, how you came to see, how you came to understand, and the miracles and the works and the mighty acts that God has done in your life, and for you and with you. Tell the stories. And let me tell you something, I got an idea that they can still listen to the story while working on their phone. They're hearing and they're watching. Tell them the stories. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. And then number five, and this is one that's really important. Be there for them as an example to them. Consistency to testimony is incredibly important. How many of you were raised in a house when you were told, uh, the reason you did something is because they told you to? And you didn't do something because they told you to, told you not to. I want you to tell you something. Of a generation that's skeptical of authority, they're going to follow who shows them, who shows them consistency, reality, truth. Not that you... Here's the thing. That own up to your mistakes. That own up to your bad decisions and your wrong choices. You don't hide them. You show them the story of God's redeeming power in the midst of them. Tell them the stories of your failures as much as your successes. Be there for them and be an example to them. Be for them. You know, we have a scripture we love to quote. If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you know what your children need to know? If mom be for me, who can be against me? Dad be for me, who can be against me? Be for me. Now, let me tell you, that doesn't mean no discipline. It may mean more discipline. You understand? Because I can be for you and not let you get by with it. But I can also be an example to you that I don't get by with it either. God's at work in every generation. Five things. They're not like you. Love them, relate to them, tell them the truth, be there for them, as, exactly to, as an example to them. But here's the question. What's your hope? Most of you are here because you heard from another generation the truth of Jesus. And you personally encountered Him for yourself. And it's going to be important that you understand that that your hope, a lot of, you know, as you look at all of this, you can say, well, man... It just makes me want to take a breath. seems so hard, so time-consuming, so out of reach. For some, people are sitting here saying, well, I miss my time. My children are grown, my grandchildren, and we're in such a mobile society now that I, the only place I get to talk to them is on the telephone or on the computer or on texting. And I, I really don't have really any much influence. All of those things, my time's over. Folks, listen to me. None of those things disqualifies us from the responsibility to be part of God's promise to the next generation. None of it disqualifies us. And the whole point of this series is I want you to understand that every generation is a part of sharing the gospel with the next generation. You remember the GIs? They didn't know retirement. I got an idea. There's no retirement spiritually. There's a walk with Jesus. And you're going to affect everyone you get around. Every generation can affect the generations to come. Here's the truth. Your hope is not in your skill or your personality or even in the timing. Well, you know, it's just too late. No, it's not. Colossians 1, 27, the last part of that verse says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The power for real change for any generation is in Jesus Christ. Not in our energy or our ability to discern how to really connect and communicate with this generation. God's power is not in our marketing savvy, but in the Spirit-empowered message of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for sinners through the lives of those who have found Him. You are the hope for the generations. Christ in you is the hope for the generations and here's my prayer my prayer is romans fifteen thirteen. now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the holy spirit If anything, what I wanted to do this morning is I want to lift your eyes off of all the information into the reality that God has promised. His dominion is forever and ever to all generations, and you're a part of it. You're a part of it. Christ in you. That's the hope of the generations. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we honor you and we bless you today. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that, Lord, that you've not left a one of us out and neither have you left a generation out. And, Father, you who began this good work in us are go- is going to bring it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God, we're not going to be through until we're with you. We're going to walk in this day, this day, we're going to walk in this life, we're going to live with by the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit through us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes, lift up our heads, and fill us with hope and joy and peace, and give us a faith that abounds that you are the faithful God. You will touch lives. You will deliver. You will work miracles. You will transform. And You will give this generation an encounter with You that they will have testimony to the rest of the generations. Father, we praise You and thank You. Thank You for what You're doing in our midst. Thank You for what You're doing in our life. Father, right now, I pray that You would meet every need that has risen in the heart and the lives of the people here this morning and everyone that will hear this this message. I pray Lord that you would lift up our eyes that we would see your truth and be transformed. The truth sets us free. We're free to believe. We're free to receive. And we're free to give it away. We give you praise. Thank In you Jesus for listening name. to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons go to newcovenantlampassers.com